You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Oh, welcome in to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson live in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Hey, you can gear up for a couple of things this week. You can gear up for a blackout against Kansas State, get you some black Texas Tech gear, or you can gear up for a Texas Rangers ALCS. Yeah, they got Rangers gear over at the Cardinals. Shop, you can get your Rangers gear. You can get your black Texas Tech gear. Whatever you need, you can get it at Cardinals. You can gear up right outside the loop. You can also get your Gambling Gauchos quarter zips and more. Everything you need at Cardinals Sports Center. MyCardinalSports.com or right outside the loop on Slide Road. You're just on time, Slimson. No need to start over. You're here for the open. Kyle, how you doing? I'm good, but he missed he missed the new open. You kind of switched the style up there. Yeah, I didn't do the uh, the stutter. I liked it. Thanks. What was once said? Switch the style up. If they hate, let them hate, and watch the money pile up. That's one philosopher said. Yes. Uh, Roy popping in to say 53-17 Taj and Morton dominance is his score prediction. That would be awesome. We'll get to uh, our score predictions toward the end of the episode. Are you taking a 36-point win right now, or are you rolling the dice? I would take that. (laughs) I would take that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, All right. We also got our twins on against the Houston Astros. We'll see if the Astros can uh, get out of the series. So they can face the Texas Rangers in the ALCS. Um, Kyle, Kansas State this week. Uh, I've been on a couple of podcasts and radio shows. You've been on a couple of podcasts. Um, It feels like the thing to say is, hey, Kansas State's beaten you nine times in a row, or at least nine out of ten. What's the deal with that? Why does Texas Tech suck? I've gotten that question at least three times. Yeah, they asked me. I thought this was funny. They asked me which of the last five matchups was my favorite. And I was like, well, all five were L's. And so that's – I went with 2021 because it brought us Joey McGuire. Um, so that will be a fun question to ask, like, a Houston fan or somebody next time. Like, hey, which of the last five matchups was your favorite? And – I thought that was a, a creative and funny way to kind of take a jab at the at the guest you're interviewing. So I um, anyway, that's what I went with. But yeah, like a lot of them really close games. Most of them one possession. It was nine points last year. Remember, there's a little bit of controversy. There was a, a whistle and then an interception thrown. Probably should have called it dead. And you weren't going to win that game anyway. You had to score, get the onside, score again. But a uh, competitive game. I think you're actually winning in the third quarter. Um, so, yeah, like I know they've got the head-to-head uh, pretty much dead to rights over the last decade plus. But a lot of those are pretty competitive games, like whether they've been up or down, whether you've been 
semi up or down. Um, and, and like, we'll get into it, but, um, there was that chart. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter of like net expected points added for like all power five football teams and Texas tech and Kansas state's logos are like right over the top of each other. It's a one point spread. And so I think that a lot of information tells you that these two teams are almost exactly even halfway through the season. Yeah. I just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to always lose to Kansas state. Um, you're pretty even overall 14 and nine uh, in all of the matchups you've ever played against them. But to, to have a decade of one and nine against the Kansas state Wildcats uh, and lose both in Manhattan, which is always a tough place to play and at home, it's just a rough thing. Now you have one once in the last 10 and that was on the back of a rushing attack now you come into this season on the back of a rushing attack. Is that the secret sauce to beat Kansas State? Kind of beat them at their own game. I'm trying to log into Hulu on my phone to watch this Twins game. And it says, looks like your device was removed from this account. Like, how is that possible? Come on. Um, you know, for those watching on YouTube, they see the Atmo question mark in my Username here. I've noticed and that. You and I were pining all of the second half of last season. Run the damn ball. Lose to Wyoming. Run the damn ball. Um, I, I still think you should. Don't get me wrong. But I think actually where Kansas State is most vulnerable is through the air. And I don't know if you – you need to give Tosh 20 touches, like no doubt. But I don't know for sure if that's going to go for 150 yards like we've come to expect it over the last several weeks. And I think that you're going to need something from your passing game to win. I don't, I don't want to go all in on that. And I don't want to come out of the gates and throw three times in a row when we receive the opening kickoff. But uh, Baron Morton has played pretty well, I think, but he's kind of been asked to be the game manager. A lot of people probably hate that phrase. It's probably overused, but like he threw for 180 yards for Spaler. We didn't, we didn't need any more than that. He's bus driving. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to need to make some plays and get some yards, attack deep, get some explosive plays in the past game. So uh, this would be a really good game for Morton to kind of take it to the next level, do more than just like not make the mistake, make the third and five passes. Uh, we're going to need to test them and go after them through the air. Um, so I hope that comes in a very balanced fashion. I hope you still use a run to set up the pass. But I, I don't know if running the ball is going to be enough this game. Like I thought it was more or less adequate against West Virginia, Houston, and Baylor. Is that because the Kansas State run defense is so good that you think you're you're not going to be able to be successful? Well, kind of. I, I've got mixed feelings on it. So if you just pulled up the stats um, – Kansas State's defense. Let me find it here. They're 17th nationally. No, sorry. That's their offense. Why can't I find this? They, they have a good run defense. I think they're giving up something like three or three and a half yards per carry. 
But like Ollie Gordon at uh, at Oklahoma State when they played in the Friday night matchup last week, he averaged like six yards per carry on twenty something. Like he was twenty something for one hundred twenty something. I th- I think. And I want to say against Missouri, same kind of deal. Like Missouri's running backs found success, and they're they got after the quarterback really well. That brought down Missouri's total rushing average. But look, like kind of taking a further glance at it, Kansas State. Let me pull up the stat line. This is Oklahoma State first. So Ollie Gordon, yeah, twenty-one carries for one hundred thirty-six yards, six and a half yards per carry, long run of only thirty-six yards. Um, and let me go to their Missouri game. Missouri's starting running back, not at the same volume, 10 carries for 58 yards, 5.8 average. Again, their rush average is brought down by their quarterback going for two yards on 10 carries. And I'll pull up UCF while I'm at it. UCF starting running back, six carries, 76 yards, 12.7 average. He only toted the rock six times, so they're – I guess that wasn't their starting running back, but that was the leading rusher. Their starting running back, R.J. Harvey, 13 carries, 44 yards, three and a half average. So you combine those, that's 19 carries for about 120 yards. It's like six a pop. And so when they played power five teams, running backs have gotten five, five and a half, six, six and a half. And that's kind of like where Taj has been living lately. He's like right around six yards per carry since the Wyoming game. So I don't know. Like, yeah, you could. Tosh could go for like 25 for 150 based on that. I think that maybe Kansas State's overall rush defense statistics are inflated by them, like sacking the quarterback a lot or like stopping a lot of quarterback run game. But we're not going to do that with Morton. Um, So I'm conflicted. Like on one hand, I think that the data tells you they're good at stopping the run. But on the other hand, I think that other teams lead backs and leading rushers at the power five level at least have – I don't want to say exposed Kansas State, but like done done well for themselves, handing the ball off to the running back. So we'll see. And it's not like Oklahoma State and UCF have been pushing anybody around outside of Kansas State. It's not like it's not like they are adequate running the ball against everyone. They just had some success against Kansas State. I mean, South Alabama's not coming through that door. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I finally found it. Kansas State, uh, their opponent yards per rush in FBS games is three and a half yards per carry. That's 39th best nationally. So certainly above average. It's not elite, but it's good. So you look at that and you're like, oh, yeah, if Taj only went for three and a half per carry, like we're, we're doomed. Um, but again, like looking at the top line rushers against their three power five opponents, they're not holding those guys to three and a half yards per carry. So maybe, maybe there's something there. And that's why I don't want to go away from the run and just say, Oh, well, they're better at defending the run than they are the pass. So let's, let's atmo. I mean, I do kind of want to atmo a little bit this game and I'll say why later, but yeah, I mean, at this point, and this is, this is like, even what I was saying after the Wyoming game, even if Taj is averaging three or three and a half, you still have to go to the well over and over. Cause like, you don't know when he's going to start gashing them for 10 or 12, a pop. So like force feed it. Even if he finishes the first half with 10 or 12 carries and he's only got 35 yards. I mean, as long as like you're not playing from behind two possessions and you have to throw the ball, like keep doing it. Cause you don't know when the, when the levy is going to break there. You have to go back to him. He's, he's earned that. David Collier uh, 
friend of the program asked a funny question to Zach Kelly this week. He said, "Are you or do you get bored, or is it weird to call so many run plays?" And Kitley kind of laughed and said, "Well, yeah, it is. Uh, being an air raid guy, uh, it's not it's not in my nature, but it seemingly has been in his nature the last two weeks. He's done really well with it." Uh, you said you'd say it later, but if Kitley has a classic Kitley game and just starts calling the ball all over the field with Baron Morton, is that going to offend you? It depends. It to me, it's a it's a gamble because if you're going away with something that has worked really well on a per carry basis ever since Oregon and like kind of the only issue with your offense was that you weren't doing that at volume enough. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, I don't know. It's going to make a different analogy outside the game of football, but it's kind of like if you're running the ball really well, do you go play action? Like, or do you just keep running the ball? And so it's a gamble. Like if he says, yeah, we're going to, we're going to find success through the air today. We're going to prioritize that. If it works, then you can, I guess, tip your hat to him. But everybody's going to be like, hey, we've been handing the ball off 25 times a game and it's been working, so why would we not do that? But he's not paid to please the fans. You know, he's paid to win the game. And so if they're seeing stuff on film and seeing some matchup stuff, you know, again, like the optics would be really bad if you go away from the run and it doesn't work. But uh, Kansas State's pass defense is not good, period. Is that in conjunction with their uh, – because we saw the Missouri quarterback throw all over Kansas State. Um, and I don't think that we have uh, – what's his name? Uh, an athlete like Burden, who seemingly is twice as fast as everybody on the field. But you have some wide receivers, and – Maybe that is something that you can uh, exploit. Do you? You definitely have wide receiver. I said that. I said that the way I said it on purpose. If if I was not a tech fan and I looked at our production this season, I would not think that we had wide receivers. They're on the roster. Yeah, like, do you know how many catches Luke Fungi has this season off the top of the dome? Uh, two. Two. Like, does that scream, oh, we've got dudes on the outside? Like, he was he was your starting outside receiver coming into the season, opposite Jerron Bradley. He has two catches. J.J. Sparkman is the backup uh, tight end that comes in on one formation to block. Do you know how many receiving yards J.J. Sparkman has this season? Zero? One. One. He is one for one. One for one. And those were two guys – I'm going to call us both out right now. I thought Loic Fungi was a breakout candidate. You thought J.J. Sparkman was a breakout candidate. And it's not like they're getting 10 targets a game and, like, not reeling it in. But, like, Jerron Bradley, I think his production is not what I thought it would be. I um, made a J- I made a Jerron Bradley versus Xavier Worthy bet before the season. I'm not doing well. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that was something on the Cocaine Willie podcast they asked me. They were like, you know, okay, I'm looking at y'all's receivers here. Looks like y'all's top two are Miles Price and Jerome Bradley. Like, who else might we look for? And I was like, I don't know. Like, if it's somebody else, it'll be a breakout game. Like, it's not – Um, I think our third leading receiver is Tharp, the tight end. No, it's, it's Xavier White, actually. Kind of quietly, he's your third leading receiver. Yeah. And then Tharp, I think, is fourth. But for, for a roster that, like, we thought coming into the season that Dre McCray was going to play on the outside, that Jordan Brown was going to be a 
sneaky kind of breakout candidate that Fungi and Sparkman might be ready to kind of share a starting role out there and that you had a freshman All-American coming back, Jerome Bradley. If you told me at this point that your outside receivers would have their current production, I would have been like, yeah, we're we're totally whiffing on that. And so this is, in my opinion, like a weakness on weakness. Kansas State has given up yards through the air to everybody. They've given up explosive plays in the past game to everybody. But, like, you haven't done that to anybody. And so can you? If you can, this is a game to prove it. And I would love to see a breakout performance from a receiver. Um, but, like, we haven't really seen that yet. No. Uh, I mean, the comment section says Koy Aiken, the next uh, Amendola and Walker. I wonder why they say that. Kind of a lunch bell guy. Yeah, got, coach's son type. Got grit. Sneaky athletic. Um, but I'll say this, you know, you've seen flashes, right, from Dre McRae and Jordan Brown, but you've not been very consistent at all in the passing game between two quarterbacks. And since West Virginia, you've had a quarterback with a bum shoulder. So is he healthy enough to go sling the pill around? I mean, he did make – so it doesn't need to be – like let's push the ball 50 yards downfield. He made that throw against Baylor that I highlighted on the last podcast from one hash to the opposite sideline, 20 yards down the field. That ball probably went, I don't know, 40 in the air. I could I could go back and calculate the hypotenuse. That was a good ball. And like we had the seam route to Xavier White in the Houston game. That was one of our more explosive pass plays. And then when we're in the red zone, throwing it 15 or 20 yards into the end zone, like, I think that you don't need to push the envelope more than that, but you do need to test them 15, 20 yards down the field. They've not been good at defending that. And so, like, Jerron Bradley, Dre McCray, Jordan Brown's time to time to go make a play. On the outside or over the middle? Anywhere? I don't know. I, I guess I could maybe go back and see where specifically on the field these teams are exploiting them, but it seems like they're just bad across the board against giving up explosive plays in the in the pass game. That's something I did think during the Missouri game that they were not a good secondary. But then I thought Missouri's just good. So I don't know. I don't know what the because then you have Alan Bowman throw throwing for two hundred yards on him. Yeah. No, and their their sack rate is pretty bad. Um, but I take that back, actually. I misremember that. They're fifty first nationally in sack rate. Uh, they're bad. This is what I was remembering. They're 109th nationally in interception rate on defense. They only forced an interception on one and a half passes that are thrown against them. So if we drop back, uh, what would that be? 75 times they would pick off one of them on average. So that like wow. playing at home against a defense that has not been great at creating havoc like that. Like honestly, even okay. One interception. Sometimes that happens with like a tipped pass or whatever, but like, if we turn the ball over more than once against these guys, I'll be pretty disappointed because they have not shown a proclivity to do that so far this season. So you want to run the ball early, but air it out in the middle of the game and late. Yeah, I kind of want to do what we did against Baylor, like find success in the run game, make them commit bodies to it, and then find guys like Baylor Cup on a wide open wheel route or a seam route, you know, isolate Jerron Bradley one-on-one and then give him a shot to make a play. I know it hasn't been a volume, but like Loke Fungi, we've thrown two passes to him, or he's caught two passes. 
One of them was like a 20-yard back shoulder where he was covered one-on-one. And the other was, I think, a 31-yard, 29-yard touchdown back shoulder where he was covered one-on-one. So, like, get your guys one-on-one and then let them make a play. These are not lockdown corners or some crazy defensive scheme that has caused a bunch of confusion or just had guys blanketed down the field. I say it's time to take some shots. Again, I don't want to go away from running the ball. But if we can't hit some explosive pass plays against these guys, I, I we won't all year. I mean, period. I wonder how many people know the ATMO acronym. That's it's kind of a days gone by kind of acronym. Yeah, it's the opposite of run the damn ball. Yeah. With a A is for air. Yeah. M is a different cuss word, not damn. That's, you can, it's not a cuss word. If you if you complete it, it is. You could just say "air the mother out." Yeah. And then I'll you can fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, there's no blank. It's just the M there. It's not at at mafo. <laughs> is that one word or two? When it's, well, I guess when you do the abbreviation, it's MF. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Anyways, is there any other? <sighs> I mean, are you worried about Kansas State offensively, really, at all? No. Well, okay, at all, like, sort of. So I think from my notes, I think it's obvious that Will Howard has regressed a little bit compared to how we saw him finish the regular season last year and how he played in the Big 12 championship. Um, I, I, I want to be fair to him. That could be caused by, like, a lingering injury. I don't think he's playing at 100%. Neither is your quarterback. I think he's maybe a little bit hobbled, but um, only averaging 7.1 yards per attempt. And that's actually below seven when you take out the FCS game that they played. Seven, I think, is kind of like – I haven't actually checked this against like the national average, but seven to me is like average. Um Below seven means that you don't really test down the field or you don't complete a high enough rate of your passes to average more than seven yards per attempt. So he's he's below seven against FBS competition, and this is a road game against a Power 5 team. He's got a nine-to-seven touchdown to INT ratio. It's a little bit turnover prone. He's below 60% completion rate against FBS competition, 72nd nationally. He's actually he's further below seven yards per attempt than I thought. He's at six point three against FBS competition. That's one hundred seventh nationally, and he's one hundred tenth nationally in interception rate. So he he throws interceptions at a higher rate than almost any FBS quarterback. And yet, I mean, it's like looking in a mirror in some ways. They throw it a lot. They they throw the twenty sixth most passes per game in FBS, and they're really inefficient doing it. It's like exactly what I was bitching and moaning about through the West Virginia game. I was like, why are we doing most often what we're worst at? That's kind of what they're doing right now. Um, another area where they mirror you is they don't have a, they don't have an outside receiver. They, I noticed this against Oklahoma state. The only guys they target is their tight end, their running backs. And this, he's a slot receiver, but they put him in the backfield a lot too. Um, Phillip Brooks. Yeah. He's their leading receiver. He's a five foot seven, shifty, you know, like Jakeem Grant type. Second leading receiver is tight end Ben Sinnott. Third leading receiver is their running back, DJ Giddens. Their top true wide receiver, like a flanker type, 
has 14 catches. And his best game against the Power 5 team this year is four catches for 47 yards. So in my humble opinion, they are no threat on the outside. I'd say let your corners go one-on-one all game. Um, I don't feel the need to bracket their outside guys with safety help. I'm patting Malik Dunlap on the butt and saying, when you're one-on-one matchup, like we can't, we can't commit more bodies to cover these guys. They don't throw to them. They don't catch them. Like it's just not a threat. And like we need guys – kind of between the hashes to cover the tight end, cover the running back out of the backfield to stop the run. So I, I don't think you need to commit a lot of energy to stopping like the downfield pass game. Um, the quarterback hasn't been good. All their threats are kind of in the middle of the field or guys that would be covered by like your linebackers, your star, your safeties. So I think that's where you need to win. And so I don't, I don't know, I guess we'll see, but I'm telling both my corners, like you're on an Island, you have no help. You're one-on-one, and we trust you to win that battle. Uh, they do have a couple of running backs, but no uh, no Deuce Vaughn back. Um, again, it just – am I crazy to say that Kansas State is not as good as Texas Tech this year? I I truly think it's pretty close. Hey, look, we'll find out on Saturday. Uh, I, I think Kansas State fell victim to the same thing TCU did. They explained away all of this lost production on offense. And they have good players like Ben Sennett is a good tight end. DJ Giddens is a good running back. But like we're talking about elite players in Deuce Vaughn, Felix Andy DK Uzama uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I know that their quarterback situation was a little bit fluid last year, but Adrian Martinez made some plays, won them some games in Norman. He was a huge contributor in the win over Tech. Yep. Um, it's like Will Howard – certainly held his own when he got in last year, but like you lose some of that depth and now you've got a hobbled Will Howard and you don't have an Adrian Martinez to put in behind him. And on the outside, Malik Knowles and Cade Warner were good wide receivers, better than anything they have this year. And it was just kind of brushed off like, Oh, like we've got the dudes behind him. We're going to fill in just fine. And halfway through the season, it is their offense has fallen off quite a bit versus what we saw last year. And, you know, like I did, Comparison I was making was to TCU. It was like, yeah, you know, sure, we're losing the Heisman runner-up and a first-round receiver and an incredible running back, but, like, we'll be fine. And It's like, no, that's actually really hard to replace. Yeah. All right. Well, when we get to our picks, I'll still have a really close score because I don't I don't know that this is going to get out of hand either way, but uh, you ready to make some picks? You want to say anything else about the game? Um, There – so – you asked me if I'm worried at all about their offense. And at first I said, no, then I hedged a little bit. They are good at running the ball. So their lead back gets 60 yards per carry. Uh, DJ Giddens, uh, both quarterbacks get six yards per carry. Will Howard's played like 95% of snaps, but they have run some packages with a freshman, Avery Johnson. He's a good runner, six yards per carry. And then their secondary back, Treshawn Ward gets like four and a half. So they got four different guys that they could line up in the backfield. And all of them are very capable runners. You've been good at stopping the run, um, especially from the opposing running backs. You have kind of struggled against quarterback runs, so that worries me a little bit. If we see an Avery Johnson drive or two, especially if they find something with that early and they go back to it and, like, you don't have an answer for it. And they have a really experienced offensive line anchored by Cooper BB. He's an All-American candidate, NFL guy for sure. Uh, they move him around, but he's usually a guard. Um, thankfully though, like the upside is, I think you're battle tested against some good offensive lines. Oregon had a good one. Uh, I think Wyoming had a pretty good one. 
West Virginia. So Kansas State was like kind of right behind West Virginia in terms of returning experience on the offensive line, you know, hundred plus starts between their five starters. So they're a good offensive line. They're an old experienced offensive line, but you've also kind of been battle tested against similar offensive lines. So maybe that pays dividends for you. They're really good third down defense, uh, eighth nationally. Uh, sorry, this is offense, third down offense, eighth nationally. They convert on 52% of first downs, which like 45% is good. Wow. Uh, they're a terrible fourth down team, 103rd nationally. And so if you can, and and maybe they're, maybe they don't go for it on fourth down a lot, but that, I mean, that's always a huge factor in any game, but especially this one, like you've, you've got to get off the field on third down or force them to play on fourth down and, you know, roll the dice on a big fourth down stop that results in a momentum change. And we mirror both of those. Unfortunately, we're really bad at defending third downs. We're really good at defending fourth down. So I would love to see a little bit of correction there. And I don't know what like a reasonable goal is. If you give up 52%, you're probably not winning this game, but like, can you win giving up 45%? Maybe. They're a great red zone offense. Score 90% of their red zone drives. Um, again, unfortunately, our red zone defense is atrocious. We give up a score on 89% of red zone tries. So that that's kind of what I'm looking at. It's like third down and red zone, they have a huge advantage offensively over your defense. If you can make a little bit of headway, and, and that, that sounds obvious. Like those are no duck kind of things. Like if you force a turnover in the red zone, that's huge no matter what. But that that is where I can see this game like kind of um, widening the gap a little bit in Kansas State finding an edge. I think I mentioned this. They've only picked off a power five opponent once this season. So it would be a bad time for Barron Morton to have like a sophomore slump type game and be their get right game. That would be terrible. As good as their defense is, though, on some of these metrics, they've given up 29 points, 30 points, and 31 points against Power 5 competition. And I think you can win living in that. If you're at 31 in the fourth quarter, I'll be like, we'd probably have a shot to win this game. Um, Their red zone defense is as bad as their red zone offense is good. They give up a score on 93% of drives. That's 113th nationally. So when you get there, you need to score and get seven. Um, they're 17th in yards per carry offensively. We're 32nd in defending the run. So that's a good on good matchup. A lot of this is either good on good or week on week or like extreme good against extreme bad. There's like very few where I feel like there's no edge to be found or something. So that's kind of where I see it. Um, you should have an opportunity to win this game if you play the game you're capable of. Kansas State is not without deficiencies. They can be had in certain areas. You've just got to maybe exploit some areas that you've not been able to exploit, not been able to exploit to this point in the season. I think the one-point spread, and again, that like net EPA chart that had them overlapping each other is yeah. pretty spot on. Like I expect this to be a really close game. And, you know, one play, one mistake could – have a huge swing when it's also like their media members are not as high on the team as they have been in the past actually pretty down on the team it feels like so i don't know maybe that maybe that uh maybe that matters maybe it doesn't 
Yeah, I feel like a broken record saying this, but when we started conference play against West Virginia, it, it felt like a game that was important because, like, the loser um, was just going to be off to a really bad start. And the winner, you know, you felt like you could get off on the right foot in Big 12 play, start building toward bowl eligibility. Said the same against Houston. I was like, the loser of this game, like, their season is over. Um and then said the same against Baylor. It was like, okay, the winner is 500. The winner is capable of going to a bowl game. The loser um, is like starting to really ask some questions internally about the program. God, I wish Baylor hadn't come back against UCF. Could you imagine making them one and five? Would have been sweet. Oh my God. And so, like we, we've talked about this on Gaucho's After Dark, sponsored by Barnett Howard and Williams. It appears Texas and OU are on a collision course to play in Arlington. But if one of those teams doesn't make it, Right now, I think the four likely candidates would be West Virginia, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech. And our friend Kelly Ford with K-Ford Ratings, he has a chart. Um, I forget what he calls it. I think it's like conference championship game leverage. Yeah. Where he shows like the teams that have the most at stake in conference play this week versus the least at stake. The loser of this game has a 1% chance to go to Arlington. The winner of this game has a 17% chance. That's not great odds either way. But like the loser can kiss Arlington goodbye. The winner can kind of sell a little bit of hope and be like, well, if Tech wins, they'll be three and one. If if uh Kansas State wins, they'll be two and one because they had the early bye week. So again, it feels like there's a lot to play for in terms of like a middle of the conference matchup. Um, and you know, you don't always feel like some of these games are high stakes when you're when it's a four and three team versus a three and four team or something like that. But I feel like all four of our conference games have had these pretty significant implications. And I, I guess Saturday will be no different in that regard. For sure. All right. Ready to make some picks? Yeah, the picks sponsored by our friends at Rohino Barbecue today. Yeah, you want to tell them about Rohino Barbecue? I will. I, I'm traveling in on Saturday. I don't know if I'm going to get there in time for Rohino Barbecue. But if you're going to Lubbock for the game, make sure you make time to either go visit our friends out in Olton or find their food truck roaming around West Texas. It is the best barbecue in West Texas, Texas monthly top 50 barbecue joint in the entire state. Hit them up at RehinoBBQ.com on social at RehinoBBQ. Everything there is good. Can't recommend it enough. It'd be hard for, even, for me to even like pick one menu item to recommend if it's your first time out there. Um, but I would probably say the jalapeno uh, sausage. It's really good. So check them out. Order ahead. The lines do get long kind of as soon as they start serving lunch. They're open Thursday through Saturday. Order ahead at RahinoBBQ.com. Make sure your food is there when you arrive. And we appreciate their support of the Gambling Gauchos. Always. I've got them pulled up if you want me to run through them. Let's do it. Thursday night, 6 p.m., West Virginia versus Houston, the Dana Bowl. Uh, West Virginia currently minus two and a half. I'm going to rewind before making the pick. Do you remember predicting the opening line for this on Gaucho's After Dark? It was a close line, I believe. I think you and I agreed on West Virginia minus two. There you go. And it opened right there. And the unanimous consensus online was that that was a ridiculous line. Of course, West Virginia is going to win by more than two points. They're not that good. Like, I, I, it's not Cope. I know you lost to them. It was a hideous game. And I know that they're 2-0 and in conference play including a road win over TCU. They're not that good. 
And like I think by game twelve. Go ahead. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. I think by game twelve, this whole like we asked this as well. Who's the third best team in the Big Twelve? And like most of the responses were West Virginia's like they're off to a two and zero start, but come on, guys. Yeah. I think by game twelve it'll be ridiculous if they were ever considered in that conversation. I'm not trying to be a hater. I like West Virginia. All that to say, give me give me the Cougars in front of that raucous home atmosphere. Tickets are for sale for one dollar on StubHub. That's also absurd, but that's a whole other thing. I don't think West Virginia is that much better than Houston. It's a road game. It's a Thursday night. Give me give me the Cougars. They announced a sellout against Texas. Yeah, How Texas sold that? it out. How much of that is burnt orange? Eighty percent. It'll be like when OU played in Tulsa this year. Yeah. Did you see those pictures? Oh man, it's terrible. It's going to be that. Uh, I'll take Houston too. This is a game that Dana can win, and I I think Neil Brown has a game that he's going to flub. This absolutely could be that one. Coming off a bye, not focused, eating the cheese, reading the press clippings, they're going to lose. I'll take and when Houston they, right. And when they do lose to Houston, like. How far in the Big 12 power ranks are they going to fall with one game? Like, they go from third place, allegedly, to, like, ninth yeah. with that loss. And it's a coin flip. Like, they, they might not lose, but the fact that the odds makers are telling you that they're, like, two points better in Houston should tell you that they're not that good. You're not that guy, pal. It's like it's as if, like, Vegas missed the memo that West Virginia's 4-1 and one or something. It's like they're, they're probably stupid, right? Probably. They probably didn't realize that they beat TCU on the road. No, like West Virginia is just not that good. I'm sorry to say it because I, I, I like the Mountaineers. I do. Uh, here's another one, uh, an opportunity for a newbie to beat an oldie. Cincinnati minus five against Ireland at 11 a.m. I didn't think about that on the Houston-West Virginia game, that that could happen on Thursday, the first newcomer. Um, what's the line in this game? Minus five Cincinnati. That's another one that surprised a lot of people. Same deal. People are just looking at like the win loss. They're going, Oh, Iowa state won two games. Maybe they're not as bad as we thought. And then Vegas tells you that they're five points worse than Cincinnati, who nobody thinks is good. Another one is just stinks. So give me Cincinnati minus five. I, I have no confidence in that, but it's, it's so off base to me that it, it must be true. I'll uh, fade you there. I'll take Iowa state. If Iowa State wins this game, disgusting line. If they win this game and get to like four and two, um, is Matt Campbell back? Yeah, they, well, they'd be four and three and uh, three and one in Big 12 play. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot they lost to Ohio. So there you go. They they would be Texas Tech. Both sitting at three and three, two and one. We're down to our last three outs. Uh, let's see, Kansas, Oklahoma State. Kansas. Kansas is the way better team. What was that? Well, it's an ESPN ad, but I don't want to click off this. Oh. Um, I, I guess it's in Stillwater, but I feel like Kansas is not getting enough respect for how they've started the season. I don't think Oklahoma State's that good. I think Oklahoma State happened to beat Kansas State despite their best efforts. I'm going to circle back to that. I said Kansas State's defense was – really good in the red zone that that might not be true because um oklahoma state's offense i think got into the red zone like seven times and scored one touchdown 
So that might have been inflated a little bit. So, yeah, I don't think uh, Oklahoma State happened to beat the Wildcats, but I don't think they're that good. Give me the Jayhawks. Minus three? Does that change your mind? I don't think I said the line. No. No, I knew what it was. Uh, all right, now we go to BYU-TCU, another newbie-oldie matchup. TCU wait, minus... Wait, wait, are you going to pick Kansas-Oklahoma State? Uh, Kansas. Okay. On the road. I think Kansas will start to fall apart eventually. That's what they do, but I'll take them against Kansas. I'll take them against Oklahoma State and Stillwater. Uh, and give me the over. Over 55. Uh, BYU-TCU, TCU minus six. Swing the bat. TCU, they're due. Due for a win? Yeah. Think they'll cover minus six? They'll win by a full touchdown? Yeah, they've, they've got to cover eventually. So, yeah. I want BYU to have won against a new, uh, an old incumbent before you play Texas Tech. So, and you play them next week. So, I'll take, uh, I'll take BYU. Uh, finally, the final game Kansas State, Texas Tech. This is a minus one and a half for Texas Tech in Lubbock, 6 p.m., FS1. Thoughts? Have a hard time picking it. If I was not invested in the game and it was two teams I was totally neutral about, I might might be able to come up with a more thoughtful answer. But it's hard for me to remove, obviously, my attachment to Texas Tech, so I'm strictly going to go with the emotional hedge. Hope that you win this game in Lubbock. You'd be off to a, a really good start against uh, Big 12 teams in Lubbock should you win this. A loss would be pretty deflating to your bowl efforts. I feel like this is one that you need to kind of stay on track there. So I'm going to go emotional heads and say the Wildcats, but I do not feel – I would not feel great about picking either side of this game in real do have, life. Do you have a score prediction? Yeah, I think somebody will win 31-27. to 27. I said this yesterday. Somebody will win 31-28. So, somebody will win 31-28. Yeah, like 34-31. I feel like I've predicted around that score for all of our Big 12 games, but I just think that's kind of who you are. You've got a good enough defense to not let anything get out of hand, but your offense has a ceiling that you're not going to really blow anybody out. I guess you kind of did Baylor. thought that was going to be a closer game. Yeah. So... Ready for mailbag? Yes. You've got mail. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a Tic Tac, do you? Did I get an email? No. Why not, honey? You're ahead of me, Kyle, so it's uh, giving away some of these at-bats, but the Twins are struggling here in the bottom of the ninth. Save us, Max Kepler. Come on. Uh, the Matador Transit mailbag. First question, was Mario Cristobal's mishandling of the Georgia Tech game a fireable offense? You know, this kind of reminds me of theology a little bit. All sin is worthy of, you know, eternal death and damnation. And yet, 
were spared from that outcome. So like in a vacuum, yes, it's a fireable offense, but they can't fire him. He makes way too much money and programs at dumpster fire. You got to fire that offensive coordinator. If they were in like year four there and they were three and three screwing around, like, yeah. But I think they're still in the top 25, aren't they? They were 17 last week when they lost. So do they stay in? At this point, is it safe to say our wide receivers are our worst position group, if accurate? Why is that the case and how does it get fixed? Do we lack the talent or is it coaching slash scheme? Yes, it's the weakest position group. I chalk it up to honestly like disappointing player development. I don't I don't know if that falls on any one staff member or or a group of staff members. Um what was the last part of the question? How, how do you fix it? Yeah, how do you fix it? Micah Hudson. Yeah, that should help. That'll yeah, oh the the scheme part of the question. Um I think that could be part of it too. I mean, just talent. Yeah, like your lack of you're a way better run blocking offensive line than you are pass blocking, and so I think that hinders your ability to go downfield. But I don't know. I uh, I think we struggle to win battles and get separation sometimes. And like I know Jerome Bradley's a good player. He's highly rated out of high school. Good players are redshirt freshmen. Like I know he can play. I know Loic Fungi is an athletic player. But it's just not coming together on the field. God dang it! How do you strike out looking With down one at, line. down one in the ninth inning of the ALDS? He just watched it. The now, okay, step. it was a terrible call. That's a strike. Not well, maybe on the zone I'm looking at. It's way outside. Maybe they've got it charted wrong. It was red on the screen up here. Wow. Strikeout looking. That's two That's two backward Ks in the last two innings. Hideous. The very first time ever, the Astros, Rangers in the playoffs. The ALCS. It's going to be so toxic. Man, I thought it was crazy when we went uh, earlier in the year. This is going to be insane. How many first-rounders would you give up for your NFL's team head coach to be Kyle Shanahan? Um, like assuming I could assuming I could lock him in for like a long-term contract? Yeah. Uh, four? Yeah. I mean, you're, I would get up a bunch. <laughs> well, I, I, I think Pound for Pound is probably the best coach in the NFL. Yeah, and he's also getting players to come with him and convincing the front office to trade for guys and you're getting CMC and all that. How many felonies would you commit to have Kyle Shanahan call Texas Tech's place? Man. Zero. <laughs> well, with attorneys like Barnett, Howard, and Williams, we could probably get away with a few before doing any serious time. So, What's No, the I... I'm not a big not a big felony guy. Uh, what's the best pop tart flavor? Uh, cinnamon. Yeah, brown sugar cinnamon. What are the Gauchos going to dress up for as Halloween? 
are y'all coordinating costumes? What do you want to go as? Have you ever coordinated a costume? Oh, yeah. That's something you do with your wife? Yeah. Is that her decision or your decision? Uh, it started as hers. I was not a big Halloween person. I, you know, just could kind of take it or leave it. But, uh, yeah, doing some, like, if you can pull off a good couple's costume, it's kind of fun. And now we've got, um, you know, a daughter who can be a, a you know, a, a role player. Yeah. So, well, last year she was the she was the main character. She was Winnie the Pooh. I was Tigger. And my wife was Piglet. So, nice. couples costumes are easy because there's a lot of, you know, you just, like, dress up as some couple or, like, Trump and Hillary or something like that. It's a lot harder to find three that go together. It's like ketchup, mustard, and mayonnaise, or I don't know. But we found a way to make it work. I don't know what we're going to be this year, if anything. I'm, I'm sure we'll be something. But What was your favorite, like, costume as a kid? Uh, dressed up like Voltec from the Little Giants one year with the Darth Vader helmet. Striped shirt. I wasn't really a, I wasn't really a Halloween dresser upper though. I didn't yeah. really have a bunch of costumes. Just kind of ran around at the fall festival. I was Troy Aikman one year. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, yeah everyone was. Had a Troy Aikman jersey that I yeah. wore with like my t-ball pants, so yeah. like, it looked stupid. I looked like a half baseball player, half football player, but yeah, nailed it. Do you have the, the little helmet too? I don't remember. Yeah. I think if I didn't, I just did like eye black or something. I think everybody had that Troy Aikman costume. I remember like that was at the tail end of his career when he was like always hurt and stuff. And like somebody joked, I should have like, you know, like bandaged up my head for like a concussion or something. Yeah, like a neck brace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is a foodie trend you're sick of? Somebody already answered this in the mailbag, but people referring to themselves as foodie is yeah. annoying to me. So, yeah. I don't really, I don't know a foodie trend, I guess. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I, um, I don't have TikTok. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm brave enough to American. do what? You're a red blooded American. Yeah. I'm proud enough to say this on a uh, public podcast. I'm actually opposed to the Chinese communist party. Uh, do you watch uh, Parks and Rec ever? Yeah. You remember when Bobby Newport is running for mayor and he's like, I'm against crime and I'm not afraid to admit it. That's what I, that's what I feel like. But all my coworkers about my age, they're like all over TikTok. And I get roped into these like group texts on some TikTok trend. Apparently like Shrek has made this huge resurgence and like Shrek is really popular on TikTok. And so I get all these TikToks sent to me about Shrek and other stuff. So I... Um, forgot where I was going with that. Oh, maybe I'd be more privy to like foodie trends if I was on TikTok, but I, I only know Shrek stuff. Uh, who is your CCR? Cross Canadian ragweed. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh. And then somebody says start bench cut CCR, CCR, and CCR, but I, I don't know the third CCR. Cross Canadian ragweed. Uh, Credence Clearwater Revival. We used to have poker nights and only listen to Credence. Let's see if I've... 
If somebody knows in the YouTube comments, feel free to. Yeah, I don't know the I don't know the third CCR. I feel like I'm gonna know it once I see it. Mr. Root says it. Mr. Root knows everything, so. <laughs> this is great radio while I look for this. Yeah, I was thinking about um, trying to fill some gaps here. Yeah, all I have is Credence Clearwater Revival, Crosby Stills, Nash and Young. That doesn't work. Cross Canadian no. Ragweed. I don't know who the last CCR is. Well, I would start CCR and bench CCR and then cut CCR. You think so? Yeah. Is I guess I could. I guess I could see that. Uh, now that we're halfway through the season, whoa! Uh, what is the worst regular season record that would not be a disappointment? Six and six. Yeah. Uh, honestly, if you got to six and six at this point, I would just be relieved. Yeah. Uh, five and seven is a huge disappointment. I would hate. To be in the Armed Forces Bowl, especially after all of the the smack that was talked to Baylor. But that's only one part of it, though. Is like we're not TCU's arch rival. I mean, I still don't want to play a bowl game in TCU Stadium. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But then well, it was like it was seven degrees, and they lost to Air Force to yeah. cap off a losing. Like that was just like the worst bowl experience for any fan base ever. Sure. Uh, thoughts on McGuire being baseball level superstitious with his hat. He went back to the patch hat. It feels more it feels more random than superstitious to me. Tarleton, West Virginia, Houston, and Baylor have all been the same patch hat. But like we lost to West Virginia. That's true. So if it was a superstitious deal, wouldn't we have changed it out? He also stuck with the swing your sword shirt uh, against Baylor. Did you notice that? Yeah, and we've kept the pirate flag patches on the helmets all season. Until you lose, I guess. Well, I think we've had them all year. Like, we lost in them, too. Have we had them all year? Or did we put them on there for the Houston game? I think they were on there, but uh, maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Double check that. Which tech basketball Kool-Aid have you been drinking more of this offseason? I'm guessing this is Lady Raider versus men's. Okay. Um, I would say men's only because they were starting from a greater deficit, in my opinion. Like, I thought that Krista Gerlich ended last season on a great trajectory, great momentum, and, like, it felt like we were just going to build on that. With Coach Gas, it was like, we have no players. We have no assistants. What is this going to look like? And he, throughout the offseason, built what I think is going to be a really competitive roster, built a great staff. And so, like, from my starting point to where I am now, drank a lot more of the men's Kool-Aid. I would say Lady Raiders. Real high on the Lady Raiders. Uh, will having to run the ball this much forever cripple Kitley as an air raid OC? No, I hope it makes him evolve. Yeah. I, I don't want to paint this picture that he's like this stubborn guy who just hates having to run the ball. But I think that's just part of how you grow in life is like one day you wake up and you have to go to work and like you don't want to. But your mom told you to go get a job, so you're going to go sweep floors at a movie theater. 
And then like you kind of build some camaraderie with your coworkers and realize, okay, this isn't that bad. And it's cool to make a little bit of money, have some cash in your pocket. And so like, yeah, he was uh, baptized into the air raid system, like has his cliff roots threw the ball all over everybody at Houston Baptist in Western Kentucky. But maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for him to see a different kind of approach work. And again, the ideal scenario is that you use the run to throw the ball even more efficiently against other teams. So maybe this is just a learning experience that he can actually build off of. Hopefully he's not just miserable running the ball because I'm enjoying it. I mean, surely he's not miserable winning. Right. Yeah. You need to run the ball to win. Uh, over under two bench clearing brawls in the ALCS against the Strohs. I'll go on, under, but I wouldn't rule out one. Yeah, the benches will clear at least once. Maybe not a brawl, but a, the benches will clear. Uh, how many people need to abandon or refuse to attend jury duty on a given day, and how many concurrent days would be needed for the federal government to rethink the process? Sorry, can you repeat that? Do I need to? Do, do you have any thoughts on jury duty, I think is the question. My only thought on jury duty, I guess I have a couple thoughts on jury duty. Uh might like Barnett, Howard, and Williams rebuttal to this if they're listening but uh i did a for like a hundred dollars one saturday i did a a mock jury and i lost all faith in the system if i'm ever on trial for something i do not want to be judged by a jury of my peers because those people are absolute morons and they will rule against an innocent person based on like terrible logical premises so it made me like more scared to commit a crime, even though I'm like not really inclined to do that anyway. My second thought is that I don't think you can actually be compelled to do jury duty. I think you can just probably get away with lying and say like, oh, yeah, it got lost in the mail. I never received any of that. Like, I, I think should not be giving out legal opinions on here, but I think legally, like if they just mail you something and they can't prove that you received it whether it's a jury duty summons or something else, I don't think you're like actually obligated for it. So I haven't gotten any mail in like three weeks and uh, it's starting to worry me because one of the, one of the things I was supposed to receive, they're like, yeah, we got that back that said wrong address. So I had an insurance dispute one time that they like canceled my insurance policy. Cause I said, they said I didn't respond to something sent to me in the mail. I was like, I didn't receive it. Um, and they were like, well, can you prove that you didn't receive it? I was like, how can I prove a negative that I didn't receive a piece of mail? Like, I mean, I could, the only, the only provable thing is like, if you find it in my house, you could prove that I received it, but there's no way to prove that I didn't receive it. It's like saying, Rob, prove to me that you didn't eat Whataburger today. Unless you filmed yourself everywhere you went, like there'd be no way for you to prove that you did not eat Whataburger. Right. So I thought that was stupid and they canceled my policy and I, Gave my money to some other insurance company. Would you pay $1 plus fees to see West Virginia play at Houston? I honestly cannot imagine a scenario. Even if I lived there, I would have something better to do with my evening than, than that. 
I haven't. Uh, oh, let's see it. I will try Rajinho for the first time on Friday. What is your personal favorite food? P.S. I will probably get a sandwich. If you want a variation of a sandwich, the brisket burger is really good. Yes, it is. I've always wanted to try the peachy pig. Mr. Root says that as well. There's also a a comment going back to the jury duty. We're going to spend way too much time talking about jury duty. Um, That if you don't want to do it, talk really loud about how you think you're an expert because you watch stuff about it on TV. Reminded me of like a family guy clip where they're like screening jury duty candidates and like asking them if they harbor like any bias or prejudice against women, minority groups, whatever. And like to get out of it, he just basically like says that he's a racist so that he doesn't have to do jury duty. I don't know if they actually ask you that in in real life. That'd be a really bad way to get out of it, to like have to lie about, you know, something like that in front of your peers. But I think there's ways out of jury duty if you don't want to do it is, is all I'm getting at. Apparently Justin Verlander has dropped multiple F-bombs on uh, live television. Screw him. Last question. The USA is a cavernous arena. Would a smaller setup be beneficial to some programs, especially if Texas Tech ever sponsors wrestling? A smaller arena would be beneficial to some programs like Houston that nobody's going to show up. But when you put 15,000 people in the USA, why would you make it smaller? Agreed. If you build it, they will come. Uh, and I think you can get uh, 10,000 at uh, Lady Raiders games. I got a text from a source. I won't disclose the source. This is the officially the jury duty podcast. This is from somebody who would know. They will never actually come looking for you if you skip out on jury duty. But if you show up to jury duty, then you really need to value the presumption of innocence, which I totally endorse. And when I did this mock jury trial, they were like, it, it was a, I think it was a civil case. And they like wanted this guy to, they were like, give me, assign him a hundred percent of the fault, like take all his money. I was like, I thought it was wrong. I could have wasted my entire Saturday arguing with these people, but I left and I was like, God, if I'm ever like falsely accused of something and those people are those people. Re- rendering the verdicts, like I'm screwed. We're all screwed. <clears throat> It's like never even get charged with anything like which how do you prevent yourself from getting falsely accused of something? I don't know, but it did not inspire a ton of confidence in me. The D backs up four nothing, by the way. One hitting Sweet. the Dodgers in the fourth inning. My diamond backs. Oh man. All right, final thoughts. Oh yeah. Oh, I'll I'll save the proverbs for later. Um, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. I'm going to gonna finish a piece this week before the game. I don't know if it'll be tonight or Thursday or Friday, but before the game about young Ben Roberts, because we all know he's having a good season. I think most of us know he's the leading tackler, but I think he's actually on like a pretty insane trajectory that nobody's quite realized yet and so if you want to if you want to read that and then of course have access to our library of other content we've got interviews 
um, some analytics, some data, all that on there, access to the Discord server. It's $5 a month on Patreon, patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos. So something to look forward to if you want a uh, pick-me-up about a redshirt freshman on the defensive side of the ball. Wonderful. All right. That's all I got. All right. Go Tech. Love y'all.